It's officially 2023, and if you've adopted the new year, new me mantra and have found yourself in search of a new job opportunity, World Dairy Expo might have the solution for you. Based in Madison, Wisconsin, Expo is looking for individuals who are ready to impact the global dairy industry through the planning, promotion, and execution of the annual event that draws more than 60,000 attendees, 2,600 cattle, and 700 companies from around the world each year. Learn more at WorldDairyExpo.com under About and Careers. From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting-edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back to The Dairy Show, everyone. I am still your host, Katie Schmidt. And joining us for this week's episode is a friend of mine, Andrew Hetke. So Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for having me. Now, if folks don't recognize your name from your photography business, can you share a little bit about your background and connection to dairy? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up on a small registered airshare farm in northern Wisconsin, went to shows regionally and nationally, and after high school, went to the University of Minnesota where I was uh, part of the judging team and dabbled around taking some pictures, doing a little bit of photography then on the weekends and on campus. And after college, I worked in the AI industry for seven years and uh, got to learn some tricks of the trade and what consumers are looking for as far as marketing goes. And uh, a couple years ago, I started my own business as a dairy cattle photographer and videographer, and now I'm here. Now you're here on World Dairy Expo's podcast. So you started this business, or you were dabbling into this business already when you were full-time in the, the stud world. How were you kind of managing that balance of, I'm going to call it a side hustle at the time, because uh, I think that's how a lot of small businesses start up. So how were you managing that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question. A lot of a lot of weekends were spent hopping in the car and driving to a different part of the country and snapping as many photos as I could and trying to get back by Sunday night so that I was ready to go to work on Monday morning. Lots of nights, lots of weekends. And, you know, I would harbor my vacation days so I could put them together and take a trip to Washington or a trip to California and be there for seven, eight days straight, clipping and picturing cows. So putting it all together just to kind of hope and see if, if this could be a full-time job someday. What was the, the moment where you realized that it could be? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I can tell you a lot of moments I didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be just as valuable. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was really hard just uh, being someone who, who no one knew, no one didn't have a reputation of any sort, never never had my name on a, on a photo out there. So I did a lot of cold calls and, and a lot of, a lot of rejection, obviously, as, as you always have, but uh, come about the middle of 2020, when I started getting a lot of people that were willing to take a chance on me and people from different parts of the country, different regions. And, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I really enjoy this. I have started to try and build a brand. And I think that I can make this a full-time job. So at the end of 2020, I 
flew away from the AI world and have been doing this ever since full time. So when you're taking pictures of cows, um, obviously there's the traditional side shots that, that people take and you do some of that. But what I tend to see your name attached to more often is actually like what I'm going to call a glamour shots of cows or more like casual shots. Glamour. Yeah. So yeah. how did how did you get to that like style for your work? So to be honest, Katie, it's it's a style of work that I prefer. Like it's it's so much more satisfying in my mind to be able to to walk through it and see the end result. I, I call them candid shots and candid sessions. And it's easier for me as the guy behind the lens to be able to capture the emotion and capture the, the moment when I'm looking at a cow that's in her pen or in a pasture. And like, it's so much more raw to me. So that's, I feel like I'm, happier with the end result when I do those types of photos. So that's why I've tried to do more and more of those. And, and, and it's a new fresh idea that maybe, maybe consumers uh, can relate to as well. So that's why I enjoy doing those. How do you get the cows set up correctly in those shots? How, how do they work? Time <laughs> takes an awful lot of time and uh, working with people that that know cows and know how to move around cows obviously is extremely important, but yeah, a, a candid session, whereas a traditional side shot could just take a couple minutes. A candid session can take well up to an hour easily. And it's, you learn some tricks, I guess, but, uh, and, and you can't do a candid session with every cow. Unfortunately, sometimes they're not cooperative and, and you just have to be patient and, you know, have the grain in the right place and make sure that, Make sure that your your help is out of the way when when the shot needs to be taken. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be a big one. Okay, so let's talk about the photography stuff. What kind of equipment do you use for these types of shoots? Yeah, so when I was in college, I went on Craigslist and uh, <laughs> I found a Canon Rebel T3i for sale for just a couple hundred bucks. And I met up with the guy and, and bought it from him. And I, I remember asking him, I said, like, you know, why are you getting rid of it? He said, well, I take pictures of birds in the park. And, and when I first bought this camera, all my friends said, oh, like you're going to, you're going to own a, a camera and lenses worth five, $10,000 coming up. And, and he said, nah, like I'm going to be fine with this. And so he sold that to me and that's the one I dabbled around with. And now, you know, 10 years later, I use some cameras that are worth exactly what he said he wasn't going to have and what I thought no way I I currently my I just got a new camera this year it's a Nikon D850 and I really like that camera it's quick it's it's fast it's really good with low light and I use a, a variety of lenses my main one is a 50 millimeter prime I really like that it has a low f-stop so I can kind of make the pictures pop a little bit more but uh, I use a 70 by 200 as well, just for the pasture shots where you're a little bit further away. You can you can get a little bit more crispness being that far away. Sure. How about editing software? What do you use for that? Primarily Photoshop and Lightroom. It's uh, it's kind of the industry photography standard and extremely user friendly. And I would say I'm comfortable in both of those programs. 
so I'm, I'm guessing you're going to say you're a little bit more self-taught, but where have you learned the, the technical aspects of what it is that you do? Yeah. So self-taught's a, an interesting word, but I, I guess I would almost say that I'm, I'm taught by anyone and everyone who was willing to say anything. And, you know, I've been to shows since I was a kid and, and went and helped picture and classify at numerous different farms. And every single time I was on a farm or every single time I was helping someone picture, I got as much information from them as I could and really tried to soak up everything and not even always what they did that I liked, but some of the things that some farms did that I didn't like and thought, Hmm, I can change that and I can make that fit this a little bit better. And so it was really just a compilation of years and years of talking with people and seeing what is received well and what isn't. Is there an experience in your past that you think is the most impactful moment or are there a couple that stand out for you? Yeah. So when I was in college, I interned at Golden Oaks in between my junior and senior year. And uh, until then, like I had worked with some nice cows, but going Going down to Wakanda, Illinois was really great for me because I got to be hands-on with with a different caliber of cow at the time than I had ever really worked with. And when you work with good cows, you see what they're supposed to be and you see how they can be good and great. And that really that really shaped my vision of what what the industry was looking for as far as show cows and marketing material and what I wanted to be, I guess. Okay. You mentioned cows and like how they they can be like these, this next caliber of cow. When you're photographing a cow, whether she's in the, the show ring or she's at expo, she's underneath the willows or, you know, taking these candid shots in pastures, how are you hiding flaws or, or capturing strengths? Maybe we should look at it as a positive. Yeah. You're never hiding flaws. You're always, you're always just putting the cow's best foot forward. And uh, yeah. So like, not every cow can take the same exact photo and that's totally fine. Like every cow, you know, even if they're 97 point cow, they have things that are different than other cows. And so you definitely have to evaluate the cow. It's, it's always great to know the animals. It's always great to be comfortable with them and know how they're going to stand, what the next step is going to be for them to be able to put them in their best light. And yeah, it's, it's much different picturing and, doing candid sessions of heifers and, you know, younger animals, two-year-olds versus a five-year-old cow that has that big sweep to a rib. It's, it really just takes time to evaluate. And Katie, I take a lot of photos and I go, okay, that's not right. Let's turn her this way. Let's, you know, let's move this foot forward. Let's do something different because yeah, you just have to evaluate by doing, I think, I think that's extremely important. Is there something in your your background where you you learned how to evaluate cows like is there one thing or is it just the the upbringing the college the the career and now what you do today like is there a way people can get better at evaluating cows i wouldn't say that there's like one singular moment that i'm like oh yeah that's great now i know exactly how to do it no and i i wouldn't even say that i'm as good as i want to be now i it's it's really important to continue to refine especially that part because the breed is changing, the, the, the cows are changing and, and, and for the better, it's always good that we're, we're progressing in a lot of ways. And so really just a combination of, you know, growing up being on judging teams, but 
I look at some of the stuff that I did and some of the cows that I really liked when I was 12 and 15 years old and, and, or even some of the photos that I've taken and I'm like, Whoa, okay, take a step back. <laughs> like, yeah, it, uh, it helped being on the judging team in college and it helped being able to go to, you know, hundreds of farms and evaluate their cattle and evaluate their system and evaluate what their, what their goals are and, and be able to kind of push it all together and evaluate them that way. So, okay. I want to go back to the show ring because this is X was podcast and you know, that's what, where our focus lies a lot of times you were, you were taking photos at expo from the, the stands and kind of by that entrance point this year, not on the colored shavings, but close to right. Taking pictures of cows on them because you were in a, a spectator seat. How do you take photos from that space in a way that you're capturing an image that can still be used for marketing purposes for, for a client? Yeah. So most of the people that go to the world dairy expo, when they walk into the ring, you know, most of the people that are observing aren't on the shavings. So a lot of them are in the stands. And so you take it a little bit from their point of view. And during the show, there's so much raw emotion. You know, people have worked 365 days to get there and, and stories going years back that they, you know, when this cow first calved in as a two-year-old, they knew she was going to be special. And now she's five and she won her class, you know, and there's so much absolute emotion there that even the guy that's in 15th or 17th, who's extremely proud of their cow, like they're still showing it and they're still, they're still able to be proud of what they have. And so you just need to capture as much as you can really. And I love just looking down the line and seeing people's faces and, and seeing, you know, breeders that are really proud of what they've done and be able to say, yeah, this, this cow's from my farm. I bred her or I bought her and I developed her and we're here on the biggest stage and everyone's looking at me. Yeah. It's pretty special out there. Absolutely is. Let's talk about videography because you also do some of that uh, on top of the photography stuff. So videography, let's start with the basics. Same equipment or do you have other equipment that you use for video shoots? No, I have other equipment I use for for that. I do some video work on on my photo cameras, but I use a mirrorless camera for my video work now. It's uh, a little faster, a little crisper, is able to grab your your focus a little bit better. Um, I also use a gimbal to keep it as flat and level and, and take out the bounces as much as you can. That keeps everything really, really smooth. And uh, sometimes a drone, cause I saw some, some images from Alliant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I invested in a pretty nice drone this year that I, I really, really like. And it, it's really neat to be able to see everything from a different perspective and, and, you know, take some pictures or some videos of, of these iconic monuments, I guess you'd say, or iconic places, whether it's above the Willows or above the, above the Lion Energy Center. And just to kind of get a different look at it, it makes the viewer think and it, it grabs them and brings them in. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. And it's been great for me and cool for me to be able to, to sit on the ground and see all these things. And then get the drone back and plug it into the computer and see exactly what it was. And, and it's, it's pretty cool. I think. 
Yeah, I think drones are are doing such a great job of adding another element, another like layer to video storytelling. Some of my favorite images of Expo are these drone shots of whether it's the buildings, people in the trade show, cows walking on their way to the Coliseum. You know, there's all these moments that you see from the ground. And thanks to drones, we can now see it from every angle. And I think it's just it's a whole nother game. Exactly. And it doesn't really need to be a lot of footage, to be honest. It just needs to be something different to capture the viewer's attention and to uh, make them think, wow, something different's happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when you're editing video, are you using more Adobe products, so Premiere Pro on that front? Yeah, I use Adobe Premiere Pro most of the time. It's uh, <laughs> That's been a beast that's definitely been the longest to tame. It's taken me a lot of years and a, <laughs> a lot of computer crashes to figure out what exactly I could run at the same time and how many how many effects I can have on a on a certain video and and layering videos on top of each other it's that's taken a lot of time a lot of time yeah I think anyone who's worked in Premiere Pro knows about the the computer crashes that that program leads to because it just it takes such a such a big computer to handle. I like when I got a new computer at work I was like I need one that you can do gaming on like hit me with a gaming computer because that will be able to handle Premiere Pro, nothing else. <laughs> and then it'll almost be able to handle it, exactly. <laughs> it's still like, okay, only this program is open. Just run this one export. Just, you can do it. You can't even have your email up and be able to run Premiere Pro at the same time. Not a lot of days, no. So when you started, what programs were you using? Because I'm guessing it wasn't Premiere Pro. Or did you jump right in? No, it was... Uh, I. Yeah, I just used a, a free version of iMovie or whatever the iMovie uh, counterpart would have been at on Microsoft at the time. I don't even really remember, but that that changed probably five or six years ago. And I was in Premiere Pro for three years before I did anything that I thought anyone would want to see because it took so long just to just to get the basics down. And and there's not buttons for for templates. You have to do it all behind the scenes, and that's great because then you can do so much more. But as a beginner, it wasn't easy. It was it was downright horrible. Right. And at that point, you're learning video editing, but also video shooting to be edited because it's a little different than just oh, yeah. filming a clip on your phone. Yeah. And you get home and and you pull your hair out because you thought you got this this view or this perspective and you didn't. And uh, it. I've learned you just got to take more because you never know when you might have that one second that you thought you had, you didn't. And uh, that's, that's a defeating, a defeating feeling. So the more you take, yeah, obviously it takes way longer to, to filter through the footage, but the more you take, the more you have. And you never know when something's going to happen that you grab on camera, you know, a daughter running up and hugging her mom or a grandma or, or a high five or a belly bump that you caught that was really, really cool. And, it was a real thing that happened and and no one knew the cameras were rolling you know it wasn't scripted it was just it was just raw yeah authentic if you will authentic absolutely yeah yeah i might need to go back and look at your videos and find a belly bump though this is a, a celebratory <laughs> action i'm not used to seeing often yeah look at the bloopers from the end of the year there's lots okay great that's where i'll go uh so how do your video shoots differ from photography shoots? Typically, when I go to do a, a video shoot, they also want still images. The, the farmer also wants still images. So 
it really just adds another element, adds a little bit of time and kind of hopefully the cow is still interested in grain by the time we're done taking pictures that she wants to do some video stuff. There's a lot more video stuff where the cows on the halt are walking or, you know, she's walking from her pen to the parlor or whatever. And you can grab that kind of stuff that maybe wouldn't look as flashy in a still image, but you can use for, for video purposes, which is very nice. I see more video happening for like promotion for sales primarily, right? People are selling stuff, whether it's fully in an online sale or even if they're just consigning something somewhere. What do you keep in mind when you're filming animals for that purpose? How do you how do you shoot an animal in their best light in those short form videos? Yeah, video is the way to go. It's it's the the way of the future. Absolutely. There's an easier way to to see the animal completely in the in a video format. And as a consumer, as a buyer, I want to see the animal from all angles and I want to make sure that she's mobile and you can't as much as you can tell from pictures, you can tell a little bit more from video. And so it's definitely a big part of of marketing and, and sales in the future and, and will be bigger and bigger, I think. And my rule is always you need to show the cow as she is. Every animal has has things that you like and that you don't like about her. And as being transparent as you can in the video, I think that's a, a wonderful way to to show what the animal or heifer cow or heifer whatever she may be is and where you think that she can go to and that's why you're going to bid in a functional sense where what angle do you use on an animal where are you you know standing are you walking with the animal how how do you learn about capturing those animals in the best way for those videos or where can people go to learn yeah see the way i learned was took a lot of bad videos and uh, <laughs> failed a lot and got back to the back to the office of the house and said, well, that's not where I wanted to be. Uh, kind of a rule of thumb now that I, I use is you kind of be in the center of the cow, whether it's, you know, a 65 inch tall cow, you want to be in the center or whether it's a, a, you know, baby spring calf, you want to be in her center. So you kind of bring yourself down to their level where they're going to see as they're walking kind of and be able to capture it from their perspective. And that eliminates any sort of distortion. And you can show you can show rib structure, you can show functionality, you can show everything that they have by kind of being at their level. Yeah, I, uh, I helped with some videos and photos for a sale about a year or so ago, and I did not realize how challenging it was going to be. I was like, yeah, I know how to use a camera. I'll be fine. Whew. <laughs> that was a learning curve. <laughs> it absolutely is. Of the two, video and photo, which one do you like to do most? They're so different. And and pictures are so great to just, hey, the sun's setting, the cows are out at the feeder. This looks awesome. Let's snap a couple cool pictures that we can use on social media or we can use in a sale cover or we can use, you know, for promotion of these particular cows. But it's so much quicker and easier. And there's very little setup. And, and when you look out the door, you see the picture. And then if you go through your lens and you see the same thing, like you captured it, you got it. Whereas video, it just, it takes a little bit longer to set up and it maybe it definitely takes a little bit longer on the back end to, to refine, but video is so much more engaging as long as it's a fast paced, good quality, good cow. That's, 
that's where you get your audience. And so if I were to do one ever, it would be video. But there's so many good things about being able to have my D850 on my on my hip and be able to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Video is a lot more work. The, the storytelling is more complex uh, than a, a photo is, right? A photo is just a one one shot and you're done. And it's video, like you were saying, you if you miss a shot or the shot you thought you had didn't turn out and you had that in your mind as a part of the story, you have to change the story or change how it looks in your head, right? In real time, because you can't go back and do it again. Yeah, it feels almost a little bit like a waste if you don't get it. And, and at the end of the day, like, what we're doing is we're trying to tell the story. Whether it's a certain cow or whether it's a breeding program, you're trying to tell that story, whether it's through pictures or videos. And whichever is the most convenient is the best. It's a good mantra. So while we're on on that train of thought, Andrew, I'm going to ask for some advice that you have for young people or any age person who wants to start doing something like this or who wants to to be able to photograph their own animals or take video of of their neighbors cows or or whatever that looks like you know what kind of advice do you have for those folks start now and and do it as much as you can and it doesn't really matter your equipment as long as you go out and you take as many photos as you can and you bring it back to the computer and you look at it and you know what you did wrong or what you want to do better, that's the best way. You know, the difference between a good photographer and a great photographer is about 15,000 clicks on the camera. You just need to take more. It's, it's just repetition, just like any skill that you're, you're wanting to learn. You need to do more and learn from, from what you did and learn how to be relatable with others as much as possible through your work. What do you mean by that? know what your audience is going to want to see. And when you take the photo, know that the people that are going to look at it, whether it's the owner, whether it's the potential consumer, know that that's, that's eye catching and that's flashy. And, and, you know, whether it's a, a wedding photographer or a dog photographer, everyone has their own style. And sometimes that's not, sometimes that's not right. And uh, sometimes it clashes with the industry or clashes with your clientele. And so you need to you need to make sure that you're taking the photos that show the, the cow in her best light and have the attention of the consumer and the customer. So what about advice on the small business front? Because that's also been a, a change or a new space for you to be in. What's something that you've learned that, that you would share with anyone looking at starting a small business? So don't say no, uh, which is a a really, really hard thing to do. And uh, as long as you're doing something right, you're going to be busy, I think, and work for as many people as you can right away and work for the right people. But when an opportunity arises, hop in the car or hop on a jet and go do it. I've met so many great people just off of a whim and been able to create relationships that I think are going to last a lifetime because I didn't say no. Yeah. The beauty of the dairy industry. So we're going to end this episode, Andrew, on one last question, um, because naturally we're going to go back to the cows. And I want to know who some of your favorite cows are that you've gotten to either photograph or video in the last three years since you started doing this full time. Uh, As far as some of the favorite cows I've 
I've had the chance of taking photos of or taking videos of. One comes to mind. She was a Solomon out at Oakfield. Uh, her name was Sunset this year. She was a senior three that was nominated All-American. Um, she's a daughter of the 96-point Goldwyn Sarah cow. And just a perfect picture cow. So long and lean in her neck, so open and dairy, and so square. Great leg and very, very square all around. So it's it's cows like that that when you take the picture and you know, that's really, really fun. And another one, uh, had the chance to take a photo of a cow named Dina's Dolora at Golden Oaks in, in Illinois this summer. And she's a 94-point doorman out of Dempsey Dina, the 96-point Dempsey at Milk Source. And she, uh, big sweeping frame to her long neck. And when she had her head down and her rear at her full, it was, it, you knew you had it. And that was, that's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great feeling. Is there a cow that you want to picture that you haven't had the chance to? I always want to picture the next one, Katie. Hey, that's fair. That is that is a good mentality to have in your line of work, Andrew. I like it. it I can appreciate any cow. And uh, whether it's someone's 90-point cow that they have in the barn that their daughter really, really loves, and I can, I can hear the story and, and understand what's going on behind it. I love doing that. I love being intertwined in the family's family's part as well as the next great 96 point show cow you know i'll i'll do any of that and i am just excited to take the next one fair enough well andrew i appreciate you finding some time to chat this morning uh for the podcast you know you've been out about traveling taking pictures so uh safe travels on your next uh trip and uh, we'll see you around during the show season thanks katie appreciate it Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 